This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, joined by our football editor, Mark Douglas. And it is another takeover special as Newcastle United moves closer to a new owner and Mike Ashley moves closer to handing the keys over to Amanda Staveley, the PIF and the Ruben brothers. Mark, it's been a whirlwind 24 hours. Can you just sum up your thoughts on the last couple of days in the world of Newcastle United? Well, I mean, I think it feels like we, we have we have been here before at one point, but then again, I don't think we've ever been this close to um, to, to actually finishing and, and being across the finishing line with, with, with the takeover. You know, we've, we've now got documents that kind of are proof that... Um, the, the parties are in are in a very advanced takeover talks, and I think that for me that was the start of uh, that was the start of taking this this one you know even more seriously than I was because I think that that was that was proof if you will that these the, the two two teams are in advanced negotiations. I think at the moment um, my one sort of slight caveat as, as we record this is that you know there's still we've got no statement from Ashley, still we've got no statement from Newcastle United. I think most of the information, if I'm right in saying, is coming from the buying side still um, but oh, well or, or it's, that's, I think that's where the main uh, the main thrust of it's coming from I think the selling side you know still relatively uh, still keeping a relatively low profile but the fact that those documents are out there now um, means that I think that we're, uh, we, we're as I said yesterday we're closer than we've ever been before um, my information came from an independent source somebody who, who you know has really uh, helped me through over this whole um, situation because they're, they're neither tied to the buying or the selling side is that the owners and directors checks um, are, are now underway and I think that was that was the moment when I sort of received that piece of information that was the moment when I started to take this seriously because I always felt that would be the moment when we could be uh, we could feel that Newcastle United were, were close to being um, taken over because the sales purchase agreement which is the the key document is um, has, has been signed an agreement pretty much has been done. A legal framework has been set up for for, uh, for the club to be sold as well. So once that was done, I always felt like we were, um, you know, we, we were we were close to the club being taken over. So you know, with the caveat that this is Newcastle United, and you know, you never ever know. Um, I think I'm pretty certain now that this that the, that the uh, a new era is uh, is edging uh, ever closer and I think that's probably the Phillips that a lot of Newcastle United fans needed after um, after a pretty pretty terrible few weeks. Indeed, I'm just going to put a timestamp on this because this is an ever-changing scenario and situation. It is just about, it's quarter four 
um, here on Wednesday afternoons, just in case things change as this goes out. You mentioned there the Premier League test, Mark, um, and obviously that means that those directly involved are going to have to go through and, and pass the the kind of the the test that the Premier League run on owners and directors. Now you've kind of broached the subject on Twitter regarding uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh, a few national journalists have raised the question over, you know, human rights concerns. What have you found in the reaction to Newcastle United fans when you asked the question on social media? Well, I think this, I think it, it broadly falls into three groups. I think there's the the first first group would be those who say. They don't care at all. They just want Newcastle United to sign a lot of players, and the funds, you know, the funds don't don't matter to them. You know, they 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 would probably be the camp of maybe people who you know have added Saudi Arabian flags or even pictures of the the Crown Prince themselves to their Twitter accounts, things like that. And I think that there's maybe a, an element of you know not wanting to engage with the debate on that, and that's 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 fine. You know, look, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people who would say. It's football. You can't. It's you know, politics. Things have gone too far in football to for for Newcastle United fans to be the ones to to change things. So that's probably the first camp. The second camp are people who are against it, which is probably I think a smaller group. Um, uh, you know, who 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 are dead against it. As a, this is Newcastle United fans who are dead against it. Um, and then there's probably you know a considerable number of Newcastle United fans who are probably troubled by. Uh, by those things, but they would sort of look at the way that the world is. They would look at um, the fact that um, politically, you know, the, the, the Saudi Arabian government have been welcomed to Downing Street, have been welcomed to, um, to to the to the palace as well, you know, and and they would say, well, how is it the Newcastle United fans are supposed to change this? You know, I think my feeling about it is that if Newcastle United fans, uh, you know, I, I felt. I thought there was a tone in some of the some of the things that was being said at a national level of you know a bit condescending towards Newcastle fans as if you know you shouldn't be welcoming this because um, you know you should be the ones leading the protests against this the howls of protests against them taking over your football club, but that ignores the fact that if Newcastle United fans could influence who owned their football club, then Mike Ashley would have been long long gone. So it's very difficult for for, for Newcastle United fans to take those lectures I think when you know they would say the game is not set up the Premier League is not set up for fans to have much of an influence in who owns their football club and that has been a negative for Newcastle United fans for the past 13 years and if somebody comes in and pumps money into the club even with a, a, a you know a, a, I think a very questionable human rights record then Newcastle United fans would say well is that a byproduct of the same system that has been you know, acted against us for however many years. Is that now the? Is that now where we the now the byproduct of something that you know that it's now working for us? You know, they would also probably look at all the other, um, you know, all the other interests in the Premier League. You know, I think the the guy pumping a lot of money into Everton. There's questions. You know, there's there's questions around Roman Abramovich. There's you know, the, obviously Abu Dhabi owns Manchester City. It would not be the first. Um, the first people to, to to take control of the football club and use it in a different way. Now, I think my feeling would be that you what you what you do is you probably have to uh, you know hold the uh, feet of the new owners to the fire a little bit on things like that and ask them. 
those questions. But you know, effect, uh, essentially, I think for Newcastle United fans, it, 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 it's very difficult. They don't have influence over who owns their football club. So, you know, if 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 they see somebody coming in who's going to change the football club for the better, but they have a terrible human rights record, it's it, it, it's it's a it's it is a big conflict, I'm sure, for many people. But I think a lot of people will just check out of those those arguments when the football comes back because essentially there is nothing you can do about that um, and it's up to probably other people to to regulate those things but, but I, I fear that horse horse has long bolted um, I, I feel a slightly conflicted you know I, I'm absolutely enthused by the idea of a re-energised Newcastle United and everybody looking in the same direction that would be absolutely fantastic you know do, does it worry me when I see um, when I see Saudi um, involvement in it and why they would be looking at Newcastle United. Of course it does. I don't think anybody who who was engaged in those kind of things would would say any different. But you know, I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm probably I'm probably going to uh, swap the the at mentions in my Twitter account of being you know Newcastle United fans angry that we're not doing more to pillar Newcastle United fans uh, to, to come to pillar Mike Ashley to be um, you know, fans of other clubs or. Um, other people saying, "Why aren't you pillaring um, the Saudi <laughs> the Saudi people at Newcastle United?" It's just the way it is, you know. I, I think I'd like to start getting back to covering football soon, soon enough. And uh, you know, if it's a, a positive story around Newcastle United, then I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I think you know, indulge me for a little bit. If if while also obviously questioning the the, the ethics of the people involved, I, I think I'd also have to say that you know, I, allow me a little bit of time to to kind of look at a very positive Newcastle United story and to concentrate on football as well at the same time. I guess it's also important to mention that some have, you know, praised the Crown Prince for bringing Saudi Arabia um, forward, you know, women and uh, allowing women to drive, allowing men and women to um, be in the same social circles and, and so on. So he is praised in many ways for changing uh, the Saudi Arabia society for the better course like we mentioned there is a questionable um over some human rights uh but like you say it's it's a discussion that i'm sure will come up um time and time again absolutely and i think i think probably you have to look at it and say look they haven't we don't know enough about who is taking over newcastle united yet we don't know enough about what their plans are what who they are and what and what they're going to do and you know we I think until until we know more about them, it's difficult to you know. I know that certain people, certain Newcastle United fans, have been approached by you know, by the national by the national media to, to sort of comment on this. And, and you know, I think some of them have said quite rightly that look, I'd like to know a little bit more about what is happening before I comment. And I think probably I'd like to know a little bit more about that as well because you know they might they might it might be different from what we think. And and you know, I think before we maybe get into those arguments. Um, you know, we probably have to look at that, and I, and I don't. I think people having a go at Newcastle fans are totally missing the point. This is, you know, it's not it's not on them. If it was, you know, I, I think they've tried. They've had a crack at fan fan ownership of the football club, and it, it the, the sport is not set up that way anymore. So that's um, you know, for, for me, it's it's it, it, uh, the last people that I would be having a go at would be Newcastle United fans around it. Um, have a go at the Premier League and the way that the sport has has changed in the last few years you know I think a lot of fans feel it's the only way that they can their club can can compete and at the end of the day they've seen Manchester City win everything under the sun I think they'd probably say well you know maybe it's our turn but you don't see any issue with the the Premier League owners test you think everything will 
fly through? You don't see anything cropping up which could uh, spoil the party? I don't think so, no. I, I mean, my information is that, um, that, that it's, those tests, while they would, well, obviously, you know, that there is, there is an element of maybe asking questions about uh, about certain things that, that, that could reflect badly on the Premier League. I don't think they'll get too deeply into um, in, into geo, geopolitics because, you know, you already have Abu Dhabi involved in the Premier League um, and I don't think the people involved in Newcastle United from the Saudi end would, you know, there would be any anything questionable that they necessarily would have done. Obviously, the PIF represents the states, which then... In turn, there are ethical questions, but, but the Premier League aren't 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 going to aren't going to be able to make a judgment that's going to disqualify them from owning the football club. Absolutely not. The one question that they might have is about um, the TV rights deal, because obviously we know that there is there is a, an almighty row between um, uh, Saudi Arabia and its neighbours over um, potential pirating of uh, of, of um, TV rights. Now that potentially could be a question that, that's asked and brought up, but in terms of the actual um, te- fit and prep person's test itself, the main thrust of that is about finance and, and being able to prove that for three years you've got um, a business plan that will keep the club um, going and, and you know, in fact, to, to grow it um, and that you've got the sources of funding. Now, obviously, the, the, the two groups that we know are involved in this above and beyond Amanda Stavely are both incredibly wealthy. I mean, the Rubens could buy Newcastle United on their own and fund it. They don't want to do that. They want to be part of a, another group that do it, um, but they could do that. So there's there's a lot of funds there. Um, and potentially this is this is a game changer for Newcastle United. It, it really is. It's it's it, the timing of it just couldn't be better in a way as well for Newcastle because this, the game as a whole will will be contracting over the next few years. And you're talking about Newcastle United potentially putting funds into the football club. Um, so it's very exciting from that perspective because I do think you know if you've got ready funds available, there are going to be players available. There are going to be things that you can do in the next few years that, um, that, you know, could potentially grow the football club that has been stagnating, let's be honest, for 10 years. It has been falling far behind its Premier League rivals, but, um, but you could, you could potentially see, see funds in, in there as well. I don't think it's going to be a simple, um, a simple project. You know, you saw at Wolves, they had a year or two, I think where they, well, the first year in particular, where they struggled, um, you know, Leicester. Um, Leicester took a while to build as well. It, these things don't happen overnight. But it would just be nice, I think. I speak for every Newcastle fan when I say it would be nice to concentrate on a club that at least doesn't shut the door automatically on these things. You know, I, I've been up to see Lee Charnley and talked about the training grounds, and it's it's all. You know, they do not see the current regime. Do not see the potential for growth in doing those kind of things. They they have a board that doesn't have much football expertise. They don't invest they don't want to invest in infrastructure, the training ground. Um, you know, they do invest in the squad to an extent. They they do. I, I, you know, I've always felt that, that, that when the money's there they will put it into the squad, but um but it's done in a certain way, isn't it? It's not necessarily done to build the club. It's done to um it's done to have uh you know to to have players with resale value. But 
that's what I want from Newcastle United. I want to believe that it's a club that will start to look at things like the training ground and think, actually, it makes sense to build this because it's about aspiring to be a better football club. Um, and I think that from, from the from the limited amount of knowledge that I've got of Amanda Stavely's plans, which I, you know, I, I'm, I don't think I could say I was an expert on, but I do know certain bits and pieces of what, what have been discussed previously and, and this time as well. And I know that for a fact that they want to invest in the football club and they want to invest in infrastructure as well. And that is music to my ears. You say there it's a game changer for Newcastle United. Is it a game changer for the Premier League? We, we saw Sky Sports puns today saying, you know, Newcastle have got, will have the money to go out and buy anybody they want. Do you think it will be that forthcoming in terms of player investment? I think it's too early to say that. I, I mean, I know I know that what happens when, when people see Saudi involvement, they see the Rubens and they see their net worth and they just assume that that money's going to be there to invest in the football club straight away. But we just, uh, we just don't know. I, I don't think we can say, I don't think we can say definitively that they're going to go out and spend £30 million pounds. Forty million pounds, fifty million pounds on a player straight away. We, we just don't know. We just don't know. So, um, I think I think I would I would preach a bit of caution there because you 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 know you don't know how much money they're going to put in. I would think that um, you know if it's if it's the if it's the, the PIF putting money in, they will want to grow the football club. But it's also an investment, isn't it? It's not it's not a vanity project. Um, in the sense of they'll just throw money at it without thinking that there would be some end game to it. And I think the end game would be to try and get Newcastle into the Champions League because that's where the money is in football. I think that will become increasingly so um, with the TV deal probably in, in England dropping off a little bit. So the, the aim, I think, short and medium term will be to get Newcastle into the Champions League. Or well, to do that, you've got to invest pretty heavily in, in the squad. So I think it's a, a reasonable to put two and two together that, that, that you know if they're going to do that, then they're going to need to put put quite a bit of money into the, the playing staff. Um, but, you know, I, I think talking about going and signing Mbappe and players like that, I mean, even look at look at what happened with Manchester City. It was a slow burn. There won't be suddenly a crop of top, top internationals wanting to come to Newcastle United straight away. They'll, you know, it'll have to be things put in place to show that Newcastle is a club going moving forward. I mean, look at Wolves. It's taken them three years maybe to, to show what they can do and, um, you know, how, how they could be potentially a big club that, that, that challenged the Champions League. So, you know, these things are a project, aren't they? And, and you know, I'd, but I'd be very surprised if they were going to get involved and not spend substantial amounts of money on the on the squad. It would, it would make no sense. Um, and I think probably prices across the board are going to go down, so they'll be able to get they'll be able to get players for slightly cheaper than they were but it'll be a you know it'll be a kind of I think it'll be a learning curve you know none of the people that we're talking about getting involved here in the um in in the in the, the group are have any football experience of running a football club first hand apart from Jamie Rubin who has a, a place on the board at QPR but probably isn't in you know front, front and center there so there will be a learning curve, and I'm sure they'll be looking at looking to bring in people who have expertise and knowledge of how of how to run a football club, and um, you know, and I think that would be welcome because the board at Newcastle hasn't been a board; they've not looked to get really good people involved in the football club for such a long time, um, and I think they've they've suffered for that. This is Acast recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. 
It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Just before we finish with a a few questions from our listeners, just want to talk about the PIF. Obviously, all the focus has been on uh, Companies House and, and PCP and St James's Holden, uh, but today it came through that the that the NCUK Investment Limited, which is which had had a director already on board, who was Yazin Al Rumayan, who is the governor of the PIF. They've appointed a new uh, director in Vince Cheshire, um, which looked like it was done a couple of weeks ago. It only came on a company's house today, and he looks to be part of the TM, TMF group who specialise in kind of working with very rich groups with uh, family wealth is on their website and they look to kind of help them settle into new cultures and new countries that they are investing in. Um, that would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think did you spot it first? I, I think you spotted it before, before I did. But, you know, you, you look at, I think if you look at all these shell companies and you you tie the kind of lawyers and what their you know and what the, and what the expertise of some of these lawyers and accountants is, and it's all about acquisitions. It's all about working with high net worth individuals. And um, you know, I, I'm not an expert on on, on these things. You know, I, I long to get back to the days when it's about glory strains and two 0 wins. Um, you know, it feels a long way away at the moment, doesn't it? Because everything that's gone on the world. But I, I know from the last three or four years covering these takeover stories. But they do, you know, that those are the kind of people that those are the kind of people that you need involved in these in these things. And it looks to me like, you know, PIF weren't weren't part of the, the those tra- that tranche of documents that we saw yesterday. But they are still involved. They, they've not gone anywhere. Um, and yeah, as you said, again, I think we'll see more of this. I think we'll see more companies house documents coming out. Um, and I think the clamour for Newcastle, Ashley or even the people who are going to buy the club football club to release some kind of statement, it's going to get even bigger and uh, and more so over the next few few days. And I think it's about time, even if it was just a holding statement to confirm this is going on, that would that would be good. Because as I said at the, the outset, you know, the one little part, well, quite a big part of the jigsaw is that yeah, we haven't heard anything from Ashley. I don't think his people and his advisors are saying too much either. So, um, you know, that's the one little thing I think that, well, as I said, again, a big thing that I would like to see now is just confirmation from that end. But we're certainly not, certainly not being batted back um, at the moment, which, which to me suggests that, you know, we, we, we're getting there, as does that company's house update. But yeah, like you said, I think it's going to be a totally new thing for them getting involved in a football club, something that a lot of experts didn't think they would ever do. You know, I spoke to a, a professor who, with extensive knowledge of, um, of Saudi Arabia, who was adamant that they wouldn't they wouldn't get involved in a football club, but it looks like they have. Indeed. Now, we're just going to get on to a few questions then from our listeners. Um, I'm going to skip past the ones about when you're going to get the cans out, Mark, um, and how long before Rafa Benitez is on a plane is quite a popular one. Um, what we will start with, though, 
is one from uh, Baz O'Brien. And we've kind of covered it already, but any ideas on, on what the opening transfer budget will be? Um, obviously, I suppose that all depends on when you know the whole uh, season, the pre-season can kick off again for you know twenty 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 one. Yeah, well, it might not need as much. It might not need as much as as we thought it would. You know, that's that's the thing, isn't it? If if the if the prices are less, um, then then they wouldn't they wouldn't need so much. I know that from from how it was reported at the time that Davy was looking at um, putting about a hundred million in. Um, over two transfer windows, I believe it was. I think it was a hundred million, but that was before PIS got involved. That was when she was dealing with just the Rubens, um, and they were uh, and they were they were part of it as well. So I would think that that would be more this time than it was than it was last time, um, which would be a substantial amount of money in the transfer window. I mean, Newcastle have never spent, um, you know, their net spend. I think their biggest net spend would be in 2015 when they've, they've, you know, they've never spent over 100 million in a transfer window before. It would be transformative money. But as I said earlier, you know, I think I'd, I'd kind of, you know, I, I kind of get too, um, I don't want to get too carried away in terms of actual budgets and things because we cause just simply don't know at the moment. But that I know that that was what she was talking about last time. One from Cam who says, what is the time scale do you think that we are looking on until all this becomes official? Well, if it's um, you know if, if if the deal is as far ahead as we think, it should be between you know two three weeks, I would think. Um, quite interesting today, speaking to a lawyer, I've done, I've done a piece that, that said you know he thought that quite a lot of these processes could a lot of the work could be done on these processes parallel to the um, SPA being agreed. So you know you're looking at um, you know maybe a matter of kind of you know a week or two even even. Um, if if everything else is in order, which um, which you know, which I think I think as far as we're aware, it is. So I, I would I would be I would be surprised if everything's in place if it wasn't announced by the end of the month. Um, uh, you know, so we're only in what, we're midway through it now. So it would maybe be I, I would have hoped to have heard something from somebody by uh, by the uh, by, by the start of May at least. Um, but, uh, but you know, we, we we as I said, we've been here before. But I would think that would be the kind of timeline I would be looking at. It would be kind of two, three weeks. I mean, there are a few questions from people on statements, and do you think that we're going to see a statement from either side in the next week or so, or do you think it will be? It'll be when you know the, the past the Premier League test is when we will hear something. Well, I don't think they need to. I don't. I don't think they need to wait that long. I think they could do it now. Um, announce that the deal has been agreed in principles, pending, you know, pending the um, the, the 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 Premier League checks. So I, I think, and I think probably on one side they would like that to happen. Probably it's Ashley, who's, who's who's not quite so keen. He's obviously out of the country at the moment. You know, Lee Rad is reported extensively he's in America. So it may be that that's that that's possibly what's holding what's holding up that um, or it could be, you know, that as I said, there's something else that um, that's just not quite been, um, not quite been uh, sorted out yet. But I, I think a statement now is required. It need, it's needed. You know, we, it's been an awful lot of speculation in the last 24 hours. We feel that it's definitively moving forward and edging closer to a new, a new era. If they're going through the Premier League, checks then which is always my my feeling was that that was a big that was a big thing um which as i said i've established that that is the case then you know i think we're in the position where a statement could be released um if it 
if they wait until the end of the checks and everything to be done and and all of those things to ha- to happen, then um, you know it, it's going to be a long two or three weeks, isn't it? With nothing with nothing done. But it, it, there's, I mean, today has been one of those days where rumours fly around left, right, and centre, and there has been several people sort of texting me with you know Ashley's going to make a statement here. It, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to land here or there or or everywhere else. But um, you know, I don't think Newcastle are going to make a statement today. So it would be Ashley himself making a statement through his lawyers. Um, yeah, as I said, at these times you, you, you hear so much that you just have to kind of like take some of it with a pinch of salt. But it has been mentioned to me that that, that, that might happen, um, but I I don't think it's going to happen today if it's um, if it's due to happen. Just a final two questions then. Firstly, from Glenn, who asks, with the new directors on board, if everything goes through smoothly. What do you see in terms of changes for the media in terms of the way do you think the club are going to be more approachable, more open to to the media to you know to the chronicle it, I think it's the easiest win that they could possibly have there's two things there's the media they could certainly make it easier for us to kind of get an insight into what's going on um, at the football club they could they could open the doors a lot more they could they could have regular uh, communication with us on on you know club direction. The problem has been that I think Lee Chan, you know, has tried to do a little bit of that, but he's so you know Mike Ashley is the the most important person at football club, and because he dips in and out of the club, I think Lee Charney sometimes has been you know he's been reticent to, to do too much. When you do speak to Lee Charney, it's all you know it's all done in a way that is. You know, certain issues, they'll give you sort of like, I mean, it was like when they talked about Rafa last year, wasn't it? They gave us a stock statement, really. It was a very short statement about, about what they wanted to do. Uh, and we just need some open, we just need some honesty and some openness and some optimism and some hope in the, in the way that the club's talk. But we also need regular communication. I think that's one thing that could definitely do more of that. Um, you know, that, that from the very top, people talking you know, optimistically and hopefully, but also with with real clarity about where the club's going to go and delivering some good news messages rather than what we've seen the last few weeks, which is the last few years, which is just very much this is what we this is what we think on an ad hoc basis. Mike Ashley would occasionally give long interviews that that weren't that didn't really weren't worth the paper they were written on to friendly journalists. So Martin Samuel and. Um, David Craig were the only two journalists who ever who ever got who ever got into to um, to be in, uh, to interview. Now, that's not good enough. You, you you know you need to talk to a local audience. So whether that means talking to local journalists um, or even people you know or even 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 fans, then I think that's the only way to go. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, I think the communication lines with fans has to be better. You know, the NUST is growing every day. They need to get involved with them. They need to also go around. You know, I would love to see them doing a few doing some road shows, you know, going out to the places where Newcastle United fans are. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, could potentially be a few years away if um, if the uh, the coronavirus uh, situation doesn't, doesn't improve. But it'd be great if they could go into the pubs and clubs where Newcastle fans drink and explain explain what it is that they that they want to do. You know, that is the kind of thing that this club needs. It needs it needs its its roots tended to, if you will, because the, the the soul of that football club has has been uh, really taken a, a battering in the last few years. So those are two very easy wins, um, and I would love to see that. I would love to. I would love to go up and have a have a cup of coffee with them and and discuss what their aims are for Newcastle United. Because you know when I've done that with the, the current regime, 
um, you know, it's all been cordial, but haven't come away feeling energised by what they've said, to put it to put it lightly. And just a final question from Bradley Sparks, which I think is actually a really good question. And he asks, what do you think this means for Newcastle, for the wider region and its people, you know, especially given that the Rubin brothers are on board and they obviously they own, you know, Newcastle Racecourse and several other businesses and plots of land within the region. What do you think this potential takeover could mean, you know, for the northeast? Well, it's obviously it's great news, isn't it? Because it means that it's significant investment in the city at a time when, you know, the economy um, is contracting and and it's 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 effectively. I mean, it's a great time for them to get involved because, you know, there is going to be there is there is going to be a, a real a real downturn, I think. And you know, we know that Newcastle gets hit disproportionately when when the economy. When the economy goes down, we do tend to be forgotten about, and um, you know the, the, the depressions will, will will hit Newcastle. So, an investment in the city, an investment in one of the city's biggest institutions, can only be good news. Um, whether it means development around the around the stadium, whether it means developing uh, in the buildings around the stadium, that would be fantastic as well. Although, obviously, the crying shame is that if Mike Ashley is to to sell up, one of his final acts would be to have sold the, the land at Strawberry Place, which you know, quite rightly was, you know, was being, was, was the subject of a massive battle earlier this year because it, because it, it, it prevents the club from expanding into that area as well. And so I wonder whether we'll see something on, on that as well. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it would be terrific news for the, for the city because um, it would mean, you know, I mean, especially if I, I can't see the, um, the uh, Saudi involvement being, you know, half, you know, half baked, it will be putting money into, into the city, into into other projects as well, um, and it's, it ties them into the city, doesn't it? it ties them into a, a, a massive institution with the city, and probably means, I would think, you know, wider investment as well. But it, it'll all come out in the next few weeks and months, and that's what I think is really interesting. You know, the Rubin brothers obviously have seen seen what Newcastle can be. They've they've invested money here. You know, all of these people are proper businessmen. They won't be doing it. It's not a charitable. It's not a charity, um, but it is it is something that, that you know that they they've seen the potential in the city and you know I think for the past I've been here for 12 years I think 11 12 years and I haven't felt at any point really that the current owners truly believed in the potential of the football club you know they believed that it could get to a certain level but it was always everything was prefaced by well we can't do that you know where, where's the money going to come from for that what will you, how what would be the worth in doing that and you know I know that people who've worked for Newcastle United um, at senior level have been frustrated by that attitude that, you know, we can get to a certain level point and we can't go any further. Um, you would hope that, you know, for all that there will be mistakes and, and um, stumbles along the way, this would be something very different. It would indeed. Just before I let you go then, Mark, this is a question which does the rounds uh, for most journalists in the North East. At what stage are your cans at? <laughs> Cans are chilling in the fridge. Um, it's a lovely day outside. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I, the, my problem is I've been here two or three times before, and I just don't want to be caught out again. I think every Newcastle, you know, if, if if it hadn't been for the other ones, the other times this had happened, and knowing how Ashley was, then I would be saying, just get, just start, you know, start partying. But we just have that little 
like little scintilla of doubt in our heads because of the person that we're dealing with and um you know that is just what's preventing me at the moment until it's until a statement comes from from uh, from Mike Ashley then that is just the point at which I you know that is the point at which I think then we can uh, we can certainly take it for granted this is done but getting to the owners and directors test is a very very big landmark we've never been this close we have never been this close and that's that's the only message i can tell you it's never been this close um it may not be 100 percent done yet but it's it's very close and um it would be a surprise if it didn't happen now well there you have it mark thank you very much for joining us this has been the everything is black and white podcast head over to chronicle live where we will keep you up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including the takeover latest. Thank you very much for listening. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.